0: If you want to take your Bible and or look it up on your phone, turn to Psalm 124, Psalm 124. we wrapped up our Hosea study a couple weeks ago, and so we're going to spend the next um, next few weeks uh, doing some summer psalms and just looking at some uh, different texts of Scripture. And this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 124, Psalm 124. 24, and it says this, it's a psalm of David, it says, if I, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept over us, swept us away, and the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the followers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, just thanks for the privilege it is to gather at the beginning of a week freely to worship you, to look at your word, to sing together, to be encouraged together. Lord, thanks for the book of Psalms. Thanks for the help that it is. And Lord, I pray that this morning, as we look at your word, that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, you would just remove every distraction, open our hearts, open our minds, you would encourage us and guide us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Winston Churchill said, The future is unknowable, but the past should give us hope. The future is unknowable, but the past should give us hope. And the way that that has been true through history is that people have sung songs uh, to help them remember the past so that they could have hope in the future. That's why Christianity is a singing faith. It is a faith where it is songs are sung. It is part of worship. And Psalm 124 is a song. It's poetry. Winston Churchill so much believed in this, that the that, that future is unknowable, but the past should give us hope that he wanted people to remember that even in his funeral. And so he put together his funeral and he had four hymns. And when he said about his, these hymns that he chose, he said that they, are, they will be lively hymns to be sung. And one of the songs that he chose to sing at his funeral, have people sing, was Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. Which said, Our, our God, Our Help in Ages Past... Our hope for years to come our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home under the shadow of thy throne thy saints have dwelt secure sufficient is thy arm alone and our defense is sure he wanted people to hear that and to remember that and because songs help us remember that even though the future is unknowable but the past should and can give us hope and in psalms which are filled with poetry, songs. There's a section from what Psalm 120, there's about two, about 132, called the Songs of Ascent. And they're all little short songs. Many of you probably have read them and known them. And much of these songs, these Songs of Ascent, were sung by the people of God as they would go up to Jerusalem for the three feasts a year to go and worship God. And as they would travel up to Jerusalem, because everything is up to Jerusalem. It sits on the, the hill. They would sing what became known as the Song of Ascents, these collections of poems and psalms to remind them of what God wanted them to remember. And Psalm 124 is one of those. But if you look at Psalm 123, as these, there are some connections. To them, and we're not sure if they would sing them in this order or how they even got into this order. But they are placed in Scripture in this order. And Psalm 123 says, "To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in heaven." And last week we looked at Psalm 97, which was us reminding ourselves: we lift up to our, our eyes, and we see that the Lord reigns, God rules, and we are called to rejoice in that. Psalm 97:12 says, "Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks." to his holy name. But as, as you read Psalm 123, it starts out with, we lift up our eyes to the heavens. And it sounds really good. We're seeing God, but it ends in kind of a, a muddle. It, it, it doesn't end necessarily victorious. It says, have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. And it stops. And then Psalm 124 picks up. The word contempt is just disregard. Because I think for the people of God thousands of years ago, and for the people of God in 2022, we struggle with these same things. We can lift our eyes and see that God reigns and that He rules, and we believe it we try to believe it and we hope to believe it, but then we see contempt and disregard for God, disregard for struggles. We see our own failings and if questions start popping up in our mind. Is this walk of faith worth it? Is there a difference being made in my life, in how I'm trying to live for God? What if? this would have been different? What if this would have happened? Or what if this would have happened? And what, what, are, what are we doing? And if questions, and or if if only God would have done this for me, if, if only this would have turned out this way, start popping into our minds, and it's almost like the people of God are singing, I lift my eyes to the hills, I see God's high and lifted up. And then if questions started to pop up, and we don't know, who started singing these songs of ascent on the way to Jerusalem. But the people of God had been through a lot. They'd been through exile. They'd been through struggles. And it kind of seems as if Psalm 124 comes in and says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And it was probably started, in my imagination, by an older saint of Israel who was walking with the people of God, younger people, struggling people, and they just said, we lift up our eyes, and as they walked some more, but they thought, hmm, yeah, but if this would have turned out this way, if this would have happened this way, and the old saint, struggling to walk, but smiling, he starts to sing, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, and all the people start hearing it a little bit, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel not say. And as they watch him maybe sing, and they see where he's going, they start saying, you know what? You're right. And they sing, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel not say. And they started to sing the song. These are songs of perspective. They're songs of praise of God. They're a song of describing God's protective care. And it's a universal song. We don't know when David wrote Psalm 124. We don't know what the occasion was, what fight he was in. It really doesn't even say. No one knows the occasion, which means it's the universal psalm of all occasions, of all the struggles that you go through for all times, for all God's people, thousands of years ago, and for people on July 31st, 2022. It's a universal psalm for all the struggles of your life, wondering Has God been with us? And the old saint saying, "Yeah, He's been with us," because if God had not been on our side, He tells what could have happened. What we can know is that in all things, God is sovereign. But one thing about the Bible is the unbelievable honesty of Scripture. The unbelievable honesty of God. The Bible is not, if you follow this way, everything's just going to go wonderful. The way the Bible describes life and the, the way the book of Psalms has been ri- written out, is just describes this raw honesty. But here's how life is, here's the realities, here's all these dangers, these are, are all these conflicts, here's all these struggles, and they're real. And if you try to press them down and try to live like that's not a reality, you're not living... Even as a Christian, in the way God would call you to, le- to live, the Bible is an extremely honest book, but it says in all those realities, God is st- sovereign. And they sang the song, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And then he describes very graphically dangers and difficulties that could, could take place. Because without God, dangers destroy and that's the reality of what he's trying to say. Without God, dangers destroy. If God had not been on our side, when the people rose up, they would have swallowed us up. It would have been like a flood and a torrent. It just describes honestly for people the world. The world is a dangerous place. I mean, This is how the Bible admits it and we acknowledge it and we know it if you've ever seen the old movie what about bob by bill murray uh you're just a guy who is obsessed with how dangerous the world is he can't even get outside of his apartment i mean that's a reality all these these neurotic things and he's struggling to get through as much as we laugh at that the reality is that is this dangerous world that we live in that's how the bible describes the world and the difficulties in life are to be expected job 5 7 says man is born to trouble like the sparks fly upward. And Jesus himself said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Trust in God, trust in me, Jesus said. But but there is a danger to the world, and, the, and dangers without God, they just destroy. This is how the psalm Places. The first dangers that destroy, there are relational dangers. It says, this, if the Lord had not been on our side, when people rose up, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger was kindled against us. Where, where does all this anger come in? Why are these people rising up against them? The first reason is because of just the rebellion that is in all of us. We are all part of that Rebellion. God said, This is the way it should go. And naturally, left to ourselves, we said, No, I don't want to go God's way. And sin entered the world. And ever since then, there's been conflict and rebellion and struggle. And so people rage. But there's also this sense that for the people of God, there is a side. You're either on God's side or you're not on God's side. And to be not on God's side, Danger is just going to destroy you. But if you're on God's side, through faith in Jesus Christ, there will be a sense when just being on that side, it stirs up in rebellious people a rejection of you, a resistance to the truth. I was watching a news documentary this past week and people were saying radical things like a man, a boy is born a boy, and a girl is born a girl. And you're not supposed to change us. I mean, that was just these radical statements that are being said, which is how the Bible describes reality. But they were talking about all these changes and the struggles and the, this dangerous view. And in the background of somebody reading scripture, and those, with some of those verses was this ominous music being played so that people could sense that if you listen to this, you're radical, you're an extreme. Where does that come from? Most Christians I know, they just want to love Jesus, serve their community, take care of others. But why is there this, this radical rejection, this resistance to these things? The Bible says in Luke 6, actually, that if everybody that you know likes you, everybody that you know in your neighborhood, in your workplace, everybody just thinks you're the greatest person since sliced bread, and you're the greatest Christian they've ever seen, there's probably a problem with that. There's a danger to that. We have to be careful as Christians as how we respond to people. We need to demonstrate greater love in how we communicate to people. And I'd encourage you, church, even in your social media, just because people can't see who you're speaking to, you're speaking to people. And they need to see that Christians aren't angry, mad people. We're just people who take the word of God seriously and try to follow what he says. But it's going to cause conflict. And this is what he says. That they, if, if, but if God had not been on their side, they would have been swallowed up by these dangers relationally. But then he just describes graphically, without God, danger destroys because danger is real. He's, he uses these amazing metaphors of struggle. They would have swallowed us up alive like a, like a giant monster would have... It's like this fierceness. There is a danger to the world that is absolutely fierce. We know this. There's there's things that will just attack us. And it it should remind us also of 1 Peter 5, 8, which says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The world, but the dangers in the world are fierce. They, they just come at you, and they're also fast. Verses, verse four says, "Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us." Dangers come into your life fast. You may be having a great afternoon, and moments later, just all of a sudden, fast problems. We were on vacation years ago in Tennessee. All my boys. What have even said? And even, it, uh, it was the, one of the funnest mornings we've ever had. We are at this place driving go-karts, uh, doing all kinds of fun stuff. We, we go for a break for lunch and walk out and look at my car and there's just a puddle of stuff all underneath it. The car's not working. We, it, was, it was a mess for two days trying to figure it out, how to get it taken care of while on vacation. And one of them said, well, that was a strange day. We were having a great time all morning and that turned real fast. That's how the world problems come. Dangers come that way. They're they're fierce and they're fast, and it comes with a force. It says, Then the flood would have swept us away, then then over us would have gone raging waters. It's not hard for us to picture this if you've seen the news this week in Kentucky. People sleeping in their house and their trailer on the side of the creek that has not flooded for years. Went to bed one night, things were good. Next thing you know, they woke up a mile away with no warning whatsoever. And the force of it just moved. It was just this constant force. They couldn't get away from it. These are the dangers that the world presents. And without God, Psalm 124 says danger just destroys. If God had not been with us, we would have been taken away. We would have been swept away. We would have been devastated. Danger in a broken world without God just destroys. But with God, danger disciples. Verse 6 Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to its teeth. One of the things Psalm 124 does not do, it does not try to defend God. It does not say there's dangers in the world and here's why God has to handle it the way you think he should have to handle it. Or here's how you answer the problems. It doesn't do that. There's no defense given. It just says there's dangers in the world and things get swept away and it's forced and it's fierce and it's violent and it leads to destruction without God. We as Christians aren't called to defend God. We aren't called to make every defense for him. But what we're called to see is that with God, danger is meant to disciple us but the truth is because for the christians for disciples god never forsakes us that's what psalm 94 is all about for the lord will not forsake his people he will not abandon his heritage and it's discipling only three times in scripture is the word Christian really used? But through scripture, Jesus had disciples, which is, in a sense, the idea of just being under discipline, being under teaching, following the leading, and being changed into Christ's likeness. If you're a Christian, you also need to see that you're also a disciple. It's not just a title. It's just not a name. A true follower of Jesus Christ, the, the people of God, are they're under, in a sense, discipline. We're still under teaching. We're still being changed. And, and what changes us and what develops our faith is not ease. What develops our faith is struggle, pressure. And so, The struggles and the pressures and the dangers with God are meant to change us and to conform us into his image, but left to ourselves. God never left us. It says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. I like how the message describes that. Blessed be God who did not go off and leave us. All these dangers, all these pressures come, and God doesn't walk away from us and say, figure it out on your own. He doesn't leave us. When I was in college, I worked for construction with a great guy, But a great company and one day we were building houses and we were there's three of us on the crew me his son and him and we the house was up the two big sides up we were moving the trusses across the top to kind of get them in place he had me on the ground and every once in a while i was supposed to pop open the bundle of trusses and help move it along so they're setting them in place I'm on one side of the house, and he says, all right, knock it off again. Knock knock up that bundle. So I I hit it, didn't bust the bundle. He says, come on, hit it like a man. So I took the two-by-four, hit the bundle of trusses like I was supposed to. They broke open, and as they broke open, the whole house started to wobble and wake all the trusses. And within seconds, the entire structure went, land on top of each other. A mess of wood everywhere. The boss was a great guy. Came off, was devastated, turned around, and he said, took off his tool belt and goes, when I get back here tomorrow, I don't want to see any of this. And he left me to clean it up. (laughs) God does not do that. Even good men do that. God doesn't do that. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us up as a prey to this teeth. God doesn't go off and leave us when the danger comes. When it's fierce and fast and it's a mess. He doesn't say, hmm, I'll be back tomorrow. God doesn't do that. Blessed be the Lord. He stays with us. It's to disciple us. How does these struggles that we go through, all these dangers. How does God do that? How does God lead his people? One of the things that I discovered and was encouraged this week and reminded of is that what we need to remember through life for Christian, God brings his people to the brink most often to display his glory. God loves last minute deliverances. This is God's way. As much as we don't like it, this is what God does. He loves last-minute deliverances. If you think about your own life, and you think of Scripture, God took the people of Israel and put them right by the Red Sea. And the the eight nation was coming, then he let them cross the Red Sea. He put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and then he delivered them. He put Daniel in the den, and then he delivered them. He came and wrestled with Jacob the night before Esau was there to to take him out. God loves last-minute deliverances. This is how his, he has done it through history. Because it displays his glory. You, you can go and Google bird escaping from leopard. And you'll get the sense of how you're supposed to feel about Psalm 124. If you watch that video, this bird is in, in Africa. A leopard jumps to escape him. And right at the last minute, the bird flies away. And everybody that's watching it, all you hear is, wow. Oh. That's how God likes to work in our dangers and our troubles. He, he, he comes to the last minute, and then he delivers them. This is how he disciples us. God, he, he allows things, dangers allowed. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us to the prey of their teeth, but he sure let us come close to their teeth. He let Daniel get really close to the lions, but he didn't let their teeth get to them. He, he, he allows dangers to get close so he can display his glory, and then the dangers get altered. He put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar came down, looked in the fire, and said, didn't we throw three guys in there? But, but isn't there four? And one of them looks like the son of God? Nobody could have thought of that. Nobody would have planned it that way. They would have liked to have known, hey guys, follow God. It'll go real smooth for you, and you'll, and you'll be used by God. That's not what he does. He allows dangers. He alters them. And then he he uses those dangers because he wants them announced as testimonies. That's what Psalm 124 is. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us up. If the Lord had not been here. I mean, it was such a dangerous situation, but if God had not been there. And when we hear stories like that, we are overwhelmed by the power of God. It's to display his glory. This is how he disciples us. Yesterday was the 55th anniversary of Johnny Erickson Tada as a 17-year-old girl out, out east on a summer beautiful day, diving into the water, breaking her neck, and becoming a quadriplegic. 55 years she's been in a wheelchair. And for the first number of the years, she said, I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't like what God was doing. I was struggled with what God was doing. Why would he do that? And yesterday, she put out this video, and she said, most people don't know why God allows hurts and dangers into their life. Most people never get to see it. But after 55 years of being in a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, I know. She quoted Genesis 50, where it says, Joseph's brother, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good so that he could save many people. And this 17-year-old girl, 55 years ago, whose only dream was boys and fun, gets her neck snapped. I wonder what her life's going to become. And through the struggle of everyday struggle for her, God has used John Erickson Tata to, one, be a part of the Americans' Disability Act, to help thousands and millions of people around the world in disability get wheelchairs, get help, and to come to know Jesus Christ. God uses dangers in our life to disciple us. Why? so that he can prune us and make us what he wants to be. John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. People who, with God in danger, keep trusting God. Keep relying on God. And then the way that God does that for you He doesn't just say, hey, that's the mess, I'm walking away. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm staying with you in the mess. And I'm even going to give you resources to help you deal with the mess that I was given you. God resources his people in the process. And two of the things that he's given us to help us is Christian lament and praise. Much of psalms are just laments, and we don't often know what a Christian lament is. Jeff Walton helped me this week and um, it, to understand, again, the, the importance of what it means for Christians laments. When, the, when the, fault of the house falls down, and it's a mess of your life, and the situation is out of your control, and it happened fast, and you can't figure out what went wrong, and you didn't know nothing wrong, and the struggle is there, and the danger is there, for the believer, part of our discipleship is knowing how to deal with it. And we we are given the opportunity to lament, which is taking your thoughts about it directly to God. Everybody can complain about a difficult world. Everybody does complain about a difficult world because the world is dangerous and difficult. But Christians, Disciples of Jesus have the ability to take our thoughts about it directly to God. This is what Job did. He took his complaints directly to God. Jeremiah took his complaints directly to God. I don't like this. Why is this? I wish I'd never been born. All those raw, real emotions, all those feelings. I can't believe you did this to me, God. How long, O Lord, will this last? This wasn't part of my plan. They, they, they took it all the way to, to, to God, and God never said to Job, you've sinned in doing that. Because that's what Christian lament is. And if you're struggling to try to figure out what God's doing in your life, like quite frankly, often I am, that's what the book of Psalms is for. So, what laments are for. And part of lamenting to God is taking your thoughts directly to God, then calling truth to mind in lamentations. He describes himself as a man boxed in with all these struggles. But then he says, But then I call this to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And then we can receive the strength of the Lord. If you're wondering, how do you do that? I mean I got all these I can't even put my own thoughts together. I'm so confused by what God's doing in my life then just take a psalm of lament and pray it. And by praying it, means you get up in the morning and you read it. You don't try to add extra things to it. You say, God, I'm just going to pray this. I'm going to pray Psalms 4, Psalm 10, Psalm 13, Psalm 22, Psalm 39, Psalm 42 through 43, Psalm 102, and you're just reading it. And it's laments to God, and it's going to, it's the Word of God. You can take your thoughts to God, you can call your truth directly to, truth to mind by doing that, and through that, we can receive the strength and the joy of the Lord. Because we know that if God hadn't been with us, we'd been ripped apart, but blessed be the Lord who's not given us up. The Lord does not do that, and it will turn it to praise. It may not change the circumstance, it may not even necessarily change instantly how you feel, but it's casting your cares on God, which will turn to praise. And lament is praise. Because you're now you're, you're not taking your complaint to everybody else. You're taking your complaint to God, and which is saying, you are the only one who can help me. God, you rule. God, you reign. Without God, dangers destroy. With God, danger disciples us. But the greatest hope we have is the danger is dominated by Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is our hope. This is where our help comes from, those who will trust in Him. Because it often can feel like we're moving just uphill and is, is it ever going to get any better? And the struggle and the hope that we need to remember is that as we are just struggling this uphill fight, there is help for us. The psalmist didn't know what the future was, but God, for us, we look back and we can say, you know what? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 129 says this in another song of ascent. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Which points forward to Jesus because Jesus was like he came and like a bird snared a trap. This is what they wanted to do to Jesus. As a young boy, the, the plan for everybody with Jesus was they wanted, they determined to trap him. The Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus. But it says, for the people of God, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the followers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And the reason that we can escape is because Jesus was often tried to be trapped. And though Jesus was tried to be trapped, he let himself get trapped. And every other time, when you read scripture, God comes in at the last minute and he delivers his people. He did it over and over and over again. But when it came to Jesus, God delayed his rescue. He let Jesus die. But his rescue wasn't denied, a bigger thing was happening. Because Jesus came for us, because God withheld his rescue from him on the cross, he let Jesus die, and everyone else, and Satan thought he'd won. Scripture says a bigger thing was happening. Romans 8 says, What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The father didn't spare his son. And if God didn't spare his own son, but did eventually raise him for the dead, do you think now he let his son go through all that so he could make you suffer unnecessarily, give you danger unnecessarily? No. There's a much bigger thing going on. We have been given through Jesus Christ this unbelievable grace. People who absolutely do not deserve it. There's nothing in us that desired God. There's nothing in us that God needed. But he loved us so much that he sent Jesus and he says, I'm going to send you to rescue people who really don't even want me. I'm going to let you go through great danger. And when it comes time to rescue, and even when you ask for it, Father, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to let you experience the danger, so that I can raise you up, so you can rescue many people, those who trust in him." It's gritty grace. It's this grace that we don't deserve. It's given to us for those who trust him, and it's as simple as that. It's trusting in Jesus. nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Danger has been dominated by Jesus Christ on his death and resurrection from the cross. And the call to us is just to just trust him. Trust him. Daily turn your eyes to him. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. It doesn't mean just look forward to get to heaven someday. It's looking up and seeing who sits on the throne of the world. And even though it looks like troubles are troubling, and they are, and they're difficult, and things are confusing, we don't know which way they're going to go. What we do know is that Jesus sits on the throne reigning over the world, and he's sovereignly in control. And we let him reign, and we let him rule. And if our help Is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It means we have, for those who trust in Jesus, a waymaker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. The call is to say, if God had not been with us, we would have been destroyed. But if God is with us, we will never be destroyed. Because Jesus has dominated all dangers for us. So trust him. Discipline your heart to trust him. Turn daily in faith to trust him. And let that trust turn, to like Psalm 124, into a declaration of gratitude and praise. Let's pray.